Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series, The Book of Acts, and was preached on October 1st, 2023. This is a picture of what we believe was the house now turned into a chapel, the house of Judas on Straight Street in Damascus, which still exist. The the street and the house still exist. This is about one level below the current straight street in Damascus, and we'll read about that today. And it dates back to the day of Paul, and it was here, if we're right, in this room where Paul, Saul, was healed, was told more about Jesus, and maybe even was baptized. Ananias met him there and told him more than he already knew about Jesus. It was a great event in the life of the early church, and we'll read about it today and refer to it over the next several weeks. But before that great day, the church experienced horrible trouble. Stephen, one of their deacons, was martyred. And that fired up the Jews to persecute all Christians, not just leaders. Most believers actually had to flee Jerusalem to save their lives, but Saul wasn't content to let them leave. He obtained warrants for the arrest of believers in other places, even in Damascus, 150 miles away from Jerusalem. And that nearly destroyed the church. Members were killed, more members were arrested, and those that weren't scattered into other towns and other areas. Attendance was destroyed, even money became an issue in the church. Later in the New Testament, we'll come across passages where other churches were raising money to send back to the impoverished church in Jerusalem. Churches, just like people, experience tough times. I've been here long enough, 24 plus years, to experience both great years and tough years. We've had years of record baptisms. We've had years with only a few. We've had years of great growth. We've had years of retreat. We've had fires in this building. You can still see kind of the smoke up there. I'm looking forward to getting rid of that in our remodeling. We've had a major flood in our lower level that some of you remember coming in on a Sunday morning with six inches of water in our building and flooding the electrical equipment. Everybody out, and we met at Awafria High School that morning. We've had thefts of cars during worship service, thefts of catalytic converters during worship services, and thefts of copper off of our our air conditioning equipment that led to $20,000 worth of equipment damage. During the recession of 2007, 8, and 9, our staff all took voluntary pay cuts in order to keep the church stable. You understand what I'm saying? Every church goes through tough times. That's part of life, just like families and individuals do. 
We've had people leave mad. We've had people fall away from the faith. Some of you may remember a Sunday in which we had protesters across the street with bullhorns and musical instruments blaring at us during church. We've even had some tragic deaths right on our own property. But through it all, God has been with us, just as he was in the early church. The reality of life is, on a personal level, on a family level, and on a church level, trouble comes. We need to learn some important lessons about what God can do during tough times and how he can turn trouble into triumph. He did that in the early church. It looked like it was falling apart. Everybody had to run for fear of their lives. Saul and others were on the rampage. The, the one church we knew about at the time, Jerusalem, had completely fallen apart. But God used all that trouble to do something incredible. And I want you to understand how that happens because it happens in personal lives, it happens in family lives, and it happens in church. God can and does take trouble and turn it into something great. So I want us to read part of Acts chapter 8 and then Acts chapter 9. Chapter 8 kind of sets the stage. This is the trouble and then in Acts chapter 9, when God saves and calls Saul, then you begin to see the triumph that occurred. So let's stand together and read Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And Saul, still a non-believer, not yet Paul, and Saul approved of their killing him. That was Stephen, the martyr that we read about last week. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The rest of chapter 8 talks about Philip, um, one of the original deacons, a co-worker with Stephen, who went out and then preached in Samaria to great crowds. He went and preached to a sorcerer, Simon. He went to preach to an Ethiopian eunuch on the road and then all along the coast of the uh, uh, Mediterranean Sea. And then Saul, still angry, we pick up his story in chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the Christian way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. You may be seated. I really do want you to understand this passage. This, by the way, is a more recent picture of Straight Street in Paul's day. It was the main east-west road, had columns and arches in the Roman style. Over the years, as you can see, shops and bazaars kind of encroached on the street. And now it's not much more than an alley. There, Saul, the hater, the persecutor, the one who let a mob kill Stephen, heard the story that people still need today the story of Jesus. So what can we learn from this story? Whether it's about our church or our own personal lives, what can we learn about facing trouble? And I want to share with you three things today. And I want you to to take these personally. I mean, our church is strong. We're doing well. But trouble comes. Issues happen. Trials come. Persecution may come. And we need to know how to face those. In your family life, everything is not always great all the time. I mean, troubles hit. In your personal life, troubles come. And so these lessons are there for us to learn that God can and God will take us through. And ultimately, we will see triumph. So I want you to learn these three things. And the first is this. God can use great evil for great good. Now, I'm making this point, but I don't want to downplay the evil that hit this church. It was great. Persecution had scaled up from inconvenience to horror. At first, you remember when the disciples were arrested, they rejoiced because they were found worthy to suffer like Jesus. And then Stephen was killed. And believers began to fear for their lives and their families. Then Saul, a very powerful Pharisee, made it his personal agenda to arrest them and went door to door, place to place, trying to find Christians and 
arrested both men and women. And so they fled. Stephen was buried with great grief. The church, which had numbered over 5,000 people just a few chapters back, was down once again to a handful of people. It was a very tough time for the church. But God used it as he is able for great good. The church fled, but they didn't shut their mouths. They preached Jesus wherever they went. And so what happened was in Judea and Samaria and surrounding areas, others began to hear about Jesus. And new churches sprang up. And so the result was instead of one big church in the big city, there were at first dozens and then hundreds and ultimately thousands of churches, believers in every town talking about Jesus. God had used this great evil in Jerusalem to scatter and renew the church. It was no longer just a one-place kind of phenomena. The church was everywhere and grew rapidly. Philip was one of those. If you remember, and I want you to understand this because I want you to remember that Philip was not called by the church to be a preacher. Philip was like Stephen, one of a group who later began to be known as deacons. Last week, I reminded you that Stephen's job in the church was essentially, and I use the modern terminology, he worked DoorDash, you know, basically, hey, take this food to the widow. Philip was one of those. I'll say maybe he worked for Grubhub, and, and so he was the one. And, and it wasn't a glorified position. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a teacher. His job was essentially go get the food that needs to go to the widows because God has called us to take care of them and make sure that they are well taken care of. But he did more than deliver food. He preached Jesus wherever he went. And so we have in the rest of Acts chapter 8, which I didn't have time to read the entire chapter, we read stories of Philip going to Samaria, kind of an area which um, Jews were not impressed with because they hadn't stuck to, to the Jewish faith as they saw it and they had intermarried, but he went there and he preached Jesus he went out into the desert and he preached Jesus to an Ethiopian eunuch. And then he went along the coast, the Mediterranean Sea, and preached Jesus in every small town and village for 60 miles over a period of, of some time. His job was delivering food. His passion was preaching Jesus, and God used that. Great evil turned into great good. And I really want you to know this because you either are experiencing some trouble in your life and family right now, or you will, because trouble comes to all people. And I want you to see that that's one of the great characteristics of God is that he can take trouble and turn it into triumph. He can take something bad and use it for something good in your life, in our life, and in the church. And if you'll think back over the course of the entire Bible, those of you that know the Bible well, you'll see that this was a characteristic of God from beginning to end. Some examples. 
Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. I, I mean, I kind of have this sibling rivalry with my own brother, but I don't think he would sell me into slavery. Joseph's brothers did that. But God used that to save the entire family later. Moses was abandoned by his parents in order to save his life. But then God used him and through the circumstances to save the entire Hebrew people. Zacharias disbelieved God and God struck him silent. But God still used his son John the Baptist as the greatest prophet of all time. Honestly, I could give you hundreds of examples from the Bible of when God used tough times to turn them into something great. Here, Stephen was killed, but God used the resulting persecution to start the gospel on its way around the world. That's what God does. And I want you to understand that. Because from various time to time, who knows? I don't know the future. I don't know what will happen today or tomorrow. But trouble will come upon our church. But God can use that for something great. I want to share a personal story because I've seen it myself time and time again in my own family. Kind of behind the scenes. We didn't say a whole lot about it. My family has been experiencing tough times for a couple of years as we watched my son, Kevin, an addiction grow to the point where he was hardly able to keep a job. It's kind of burning bridges behind him with friends and his siblings. And it was tough to watch. And as a pastor, I wanted to be able to help him, but you can't always help your own kids as much as you want to. And so we were kind of watching him go downhill. He finally agreed after much prayer many tough nights wondering where he was and what he was doing. He finally agreed to go into an intense Christian rehab center, the Phoenix Rescue Mission. He called me last Sunday night to tell me how good he was doing, and then music to my ears. He said, Dad, you know, I'm finally getting serious about this Jesus thing. Now, I'm not... I'm not putting that in trouble. I didn't share that with the church beforehand, but it was like the number one prayer list for, for Don and I every single day and, and nights of heartache and getting up in the middle of the night and, and wondering. It was tough trouble and it was real. And you all noticed that his attendance at church was sporadic. And some days he was great with a great attitude, playing the drums and doing well. And other times he was distant and remote or just not here. We lived through tough times, but... God appears to be using it for something good. And he's making a deeper commitment to Jesus than he ever did. That's the nature of God. So you don't give up in the tough times. You don't turn away in the tough times. Because you know that God has a plan. God can use great evil for great good. Number two, God can give boldness. And I'm talking about boldness to preach Jesus. To anyone who wants it. As far as we know, none of the early church members 
were highly trained, except by Jesus and in the church. Peter and John were fishermen. They hadn't been to seminary, college, Bible conferences, or speaking classes. Philip, Stephen, the same. But they were so passionate about Jesus that they couldn't have their mouths shut. They were so excited about Jesus that nothing would keep them quiet. Ananias was just scared. Any of us would be. Ananias, God said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for Saul and heal him. I don't know exactly. We only have kind of the abbreviated version of how the conversation went. But, but my, my, my idea is that kind of Ananias said, uh, wait a minute, God, do you know who Saul is? <laughs> I know, that's a dumb thing to ask God. Do you know anything? Because God knows everything. But Ananias had to be, what, do you know who Saul is? He killed Stephen. He's arrested a bunch of people and put him in jail. He wants to arrest me. That's why he came to town. And you're saying, go turn myself in to Saul? Do you know who that is? And God just said, go. I've got a plan. I'll tell you part of it. I've called him salvation. And he's going to be my apostle, my chosen one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Ananias went. My hunch is if he was like me, because, you know, in certain places, I'm, I'm really kind of timid. And maybe when he knocked on the door, oh, no, nobody's there. I'll come back later, God. But he knocked, and they laid him in, and they took him to Saul, and he did exactly what God called him to do. A scared man was given boldness because of his passion about Jesus and his desire to follow Jesus. Understand, none of them were trained speakers, but they were passionate and excited, and therefore they wanted to be bold for Jesus. So answer me this. What are you so passionate about that you just can't keep your mouth shut? No. I want you to think about it. What are you so passionate about that, that people almost have to... I've heard. You've already told me. Please be quiet. Your, your kids? I don't know why it is we're more excited and passionate about our grandkids than our kids. But I mean, your kids. Hey, if you're passionate about your kids, that's a good thing. If you're passionate about your grandkids, that is a good thing. Some of you are overly passionate about your sports teams. I mean, how many Dallas Cowboy shirts did I see in church last week? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't pick on you. You're probably still in mourning from losing to the Cardinals last week. But there are things that we're just so passionate about, we can't keep our mouth shut. Did you notice I'm wearing the colors of my sports team? Black and silver, the Raiders, okay? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're horrible or not. I'm, that's my team. I'm going to talk about them. Even when they stink, which is most years, I'm going to talk about them because I'm passionate about it. When was the last time that you were so passionate about Jesus that you couldn't keep your mouth shut? Because honestly, this is what I want you to understand. That's what the early church got in trouble for. That's the only thing the early church got in trouble for was because they couldn't keep their mouth shut about Jesus. What gets the church in trouble today? Our politics. Our hypocrisy. Our immorality our sex abuse issues. It's good for the church to be in trouble, but only if the trouble is we talk too much about Jesus. Have you heard anybody complain? Anybody complain? Have you heard anybody complain about Avondale Baptist Church that we talk too much about Jesus? I mean, I know in the hallways and in the parking lots and various places, there, there's various complaints about Pastor Jack, Pastor Jeremy doesn't wear shoes, you know, are building the money, whatever. I mean, there, there, there's all kinds of complaints. But have you yet heard a complaint that they talk too much about Jesus? Then we're not doing our job. Because if we're going to be in trouble for anything, it should be that we talk too much about Jesus. We are much more highly trained than the early church, but much less passionate than the early church. And until people are starting to tell you, would you just be quiet about Jesus? You've already told me. I've heard that 47 times, maybe a million times. Just be quiet. Until we get to that point, we've not yet done our duty. Only a couple times in my life, to my discredit, have I been told, shut up about Jesus. In high school, I had a good friend. He was a good young man. I mean, moral, from a good family. I invited him to church bunches of times. He only came a few I shared the gospel with him multiple times. And after we had played a game of racquetball and sitting at a park bench outside of the, the, where the racquetball courts were, kind of drinking a soda, cooling down, I said, Danny, I've been praying for you a lot. I, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus. That was the first time in my life he said, Jack, I don't want to hear anymore. You've told me about Jesus too many times. I'm just not interested. That hasn't happened to me enough. Where people told me to be quiet. By the way, here's the good news. He wouldn't listen to his best friend talk about Jesus, but he met a girl (laughs) who was passionate about Jesus. And she led him to faith in Jesus about six months later. And he came into my dad's hardware store where I was working that day to tell me, I'm a believer now. I understand. I didn't listen to you, but I listened to a pretty girl. Okay, that's okay. Hey, pretty girls, understand, you have power that old pastors don't have. So use it for Jesus and talk to them. If you want to be bold, 
You can be. You can be. If you want to be one who's telling others about Jesus, you can be, regardless of your personality style. It's a matter of deep, deep faith that leads to passionate um, feelings towards Jesus that you feel like they've got to know, they've got to know, they've got to know. And if you can't do it, you get on your knees until you can. I'd love to see this altar flooded with people who say, I want to talk to people about Jesus and I'm scared. Yeah, Ananias was scared, but God used him. God can use great evil for great good. God can give boldness to anyone who wants it. And number three, God can break down any and all barriers. In these chapters, we see God breaking down barriers. Barriers that were very strong in the first century Jewish life. Most of the believers were still Jews. But they didn't let their Jewish culture or their Jewish identity or their nationality or their ethnicity hinder their faith in Jesus and their love for all people. So in Acts chapter 8 and 9, we'll see more of these barriers broken. In coming chapters, we see that they crossed ethnic and cultural barriers to talk to Samaritans about Jesus in exactly the same way that Jesus did. Jews would have nothing to do with them. Jesus did, and so Jesus' people do. They crossed an extreme line, Philip did, to talk Jesus to a eunuch, someone who never would have fit into Jewish society. A eunuch usually referred to a man who had been surgically altered. I mean, this, this is still a live issue today, just for other reasons. And Jews would have looked down on them. Philip, however, crossed that line to show love and respect and share Jesus and even baptize an Ethiopian eunuch. They crossed a moral line to talk to Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. And then they crossed even lines of hatred to talk to Saul himself. And Saul, as you heard in the passage, will do the same to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Something that no self-respecting Jew would do. Won't even talk with them, won't eat with them. If I have to do business with them, I'll do it with my mouth shut. But Christians cross that line. The world draws lines to separate people. The world creates barriers. Jesus destroys them. So remember that before you separate from anyone who doesn't look like you, think like you, share your skin color, act like you, vote like you, share your faith, or speak your language. Jesus breaks down barriers, and the church should be at the front of the line in breaking down barriers. Why? Because we love people, and we've been given a task to talk Jesus to all people. All people, all people, God can break down any and all barriers that the world puts up. So how do we respond? Number one, I want you to look for the good in any challenge and even in any defeat. God is at work, always at work. You may not see it at the time. 
But God is at work. And he's teaching you and your family and the church things that we need to know. The early church in all this trouble, they learned that the gospel is not limited by geography, by access to the 12, by Jerusalem, by culture, by ethnicity, by faith, or by morality. And they learned that through tough times. Number two, ask for and use boldness to speak Jesus this week. I asked you this last week. I'm asking you to make it a commitment that this week you're going to talk to someone about Jesus. Number three, talk to people outside your comfort zone and even beyond your understanding. If they don't look like you, think like you, share your faith, share your politics, share your morality. Put them at the top of the list of someone who needs to hear Jesus. Befriend them, love them, care for them, help them, and share Jesus with them. Life is not always easy, but God is always with us. And it's often in the tough times that God does his greatest work. Saul was on a rampage to destroy the church. And God saved him. I want you to understand that the same God does the same things today. So I want you to make these commitments. Look for the good in any challenge you're going through right now. Ask for and use boldness to speak Jesus this week. Talk to people outside your comfort zone, even outside your, your understanding. I, I just flat out don't understand that group of people. That's okay. They need Jesus like every other group of people in the world. Share Jesus with them. Let's stand together and let's pray about these things. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.